Uh, hi. hi, welcome hi, everybody. Tip. Hey, Tip, Suzanne, tough times. David Milch, Dr. David Milch, our dear friends. Can you present our guys, please? Our guests. Absolutely. Thank you, Tilly and Zippy. It's really, uh, I would say it's an honor. It's a difficult time. It's an honor, though, to be on your show again and to present two dear friends, a friend of almost 30 years, Harley Lipman. Lipman, who is a... Uh, an IT executive, an entrepreneur, and a commentator on the political scene, um, educated in political science, and has done so many things over the years, trying to bring people together, groups together, and particularly in this difficult time, his observations on what's happening in the Middle East broadly, as well as what's specifically happening now between Israel and, and Gaza are very timely and, and challenging. And similarly, my more recent friend, Gaith Alomari, who I know through Harley and we've spent some time getting to know one another, is a very thoughtful thinker from the Palestinian side, originally from Jordan, a, a senior fellow at the Washington Institute. And um, I know that the conversation with Gaith and Harley and all of us is going to be very informative during these difficult times. Guys, you know, if there so many things running in, in my mind and things change so so quickly and we're going to air the show next week and i believe that by next week you know things will be even uh, different um today the the hospital was bombed in gaza and in two seconds the world goes against israel again you know it's like after a few days of horror some grace um what do you have to say to what's going on and what can you tell us that we don't know from from the news? Um, first of all, uh, you know, it's really a pleasure to be with among you friends, uh, Tzili, Tsepi, of course, my old friends, uh, uh, David and Harley. Look, uh, not really much uh, uh, to say that the world doesn't know. Uh, we've been seeing this tragedy unfolding uh, in real time. I mean, uh, I was awake early in the morning when news started uh, arriving of a Hamas attack, and I saw it literally unfold minute by minute. Uh, the brutality of Hamas terror is there's nothing that justifies it. Nothing. Um, we can we can talk policy and we will talk policy, yet there nothing justifies killing uh, civilians in their homes, in their beds. Uh, and what we're seeing is an expected uh, result uh, out of that. Uh, things on the ground will develop the way that they will develop. Uh, we have a saying that no military plan uh, survives the first uh, contact with the enemy. And in the next few days, the logic of the battlefield will dictate everything. We need to start looking on the day after, not only as policy and political uh, people, but also as people who are invested in coexistence between the two peoples. This will be very hard for the Palestinians and the Israelis to overcome. And if we don't that start right now with clear voices, clear moral voices, thinking about the day after, thinking how we can bring people back together, I fear Hamas would have succeeded in what they wanted. Yeah, Ali? Well, it's quite extraordinary to see how uh, a nation or a group of people under Hamas leadership can try to destroy another nation through public relations. Hamas cannot destroy Israel militarily. They don't have F-16 fighters and tanks like Israel has. So they they have this highly effective campaign 
of trying to take sympathy away from Israel after these savage barbaric uh, murders that took place. Uh, not since the Holocaust have more Jews been murdered because they're Jewish uh, since the Holocaust. So it gives you a sense of the pain and the impact on the Jewish community. So what they do is they commit crimes that are on certain levels, you know, the, the rem reminiscent of what Nazi Germany did and what ISIS did, but even worse. Uh, you know, even when the, and you know, here I'm comparing what Hamas did to Nazi Germany and say that Hamas was actually worse because, uh, and, and Nazi Germany had been the definition of the most evil one could think of. And why I say worse is because of a few reasons. Let's just take the rapes. Um, even Nazi Germany, as evil as they were, um, didn't employ rape as a strategy and as a tactic. While it happened, and they did rape uh, Jews, um, it, it was not common. We hear not only did they rape uh, women, but Hamas did it intentionally in front of the parents and then killed the parents in front of the, the girl or girls that were raped and then killed the girls or took the young pretty girls into Gaza to rape them and, and, and murder them. And so uh, uh, that's, that's one dynamic. Second, Lloyd Austin, who is our U.S. Secretary of Defense, who led the campaign to defeat ISIS, said, and I quote, they're even worse than ISIS, what Hamas did to Israeli civilians and Jews in Israel. Even ISIS didn't behead little children. But you know, Harley, I have a feel. I don't know why, maybe I'm totally wrong, but for some reason, my instinct tell me that most Palestinians don't improve. They may be afraid to say it. I don't know what percentage are what you say ISIS. So if we talk about half after everything, <clears throat> I think that there must be a way to raise voices on both sides, that what happened will tell them enough. We have well, to come so with something, something to tell both because we lost hope. I mean, you know, you have people there that were murdered or whatever, who actually brought six sick Palestinians from the border to the hospitals in Israel. Me and Silly, nobody can say that we are not really yearn for a relationship with Palestinians, especially, of course, Tzili, who, who bring them over to Israel. What I'm trying to say, how can we bring two sides now, after what happened, to think about what to do after it's all over? Okay, so I'm gonna, I'd like to respond to that, if I may. Sure. So the reason why I was pointing out how what Hamas did was, in my opinion, arguably, as difficult as it sounds, more evil than what the Nazis did. No doubt. Where it made them in comparison to the Nazis is that before March of 1942, when they industrialized systematic mass murder of the Jews by the creation of Auschwitz, the Nazis were in Europe for over two years and they went village to village, shooting Jews, burning them in their house, like Hamas did. But Hamas did, I think it's important first to point out the level of uh, savagery, because we've, I don't know the last time we've seen this, they tortured an 82 year old grandmother on FaceTime. We know everything. Well, 
that you know everything, but we are making this video so that this is remembered forever. Right. In the moment, while it's true, you know, you, you may watch the news and know it. The purpose of this is to educate and inform, I yeah. believe, yes. if I'm not mistaken. So I think we shouldn't make assumptions as whoever's watching this may not know. While the Holocaust is the most documented crime in history, it's shocking how many people know next to nothing about it or nothing about it at all. So let's not assume things. We, we could go over them briefly, like I, I think I did. But now you want me to jump into uh, where do we go from here? So let me address that then. But I think it's important to talk about the level of, of murder this is and why this is unique and different, because it greatly affects your next good question. So where do we go from here? One is, I'd like to believe, like you, that people in Gaza are fed up with Hamas, that they are tired of being bombed nonstop by the Israelis, that they want a normal life. That is my hope. That is our hope. And in that respect, I think of Nazi Germany. How is it that 80 years later, Germany has no appetite for war? When prior to that, they were one of the most militaristic nations on the planet, always going to war, like Japan. So how is it that these two nations don't want war anymore? Here's what happened. They were both utterly and totally defeated in World War II, completely crushed. And until you have that, you will not have resolution. What you have is crisis management. And... That does not work. Israel has tried it. Their strategy had been Hamas fires some rockets into Israel. Generally, it didn't kill people. It landed in open fields, unsophisticated rockets by and large. Sometimes it did hit an Israeli house and kill some Israelis. Whereas the Israelis would respond with more racket, more rockets, greater lethality, and that tended to end it. Well, we've all seen that that doesn't work. Why? Israel was playing defense. And you can't win playing defense. And also, I think that, and it's important to understand who we're dealing with. So when you say, where do we go from here? Well, you have a population in Gaza, in the West Bank, that has been educated to hate and kill Jews. So you have to address that. Like you're assuming, your question assumes almost, and I'm not accusing you, but it feels like a moral equivalent. Both sides are fighting. Not all Palestinians are bad. How do we come together? For one, all those Hamas terrorists were all Palestinian. Like all the Gestapo and the SS were all German. If I may. Hold on one second. I'm going to interrupt you. Everything you're saying, those of us on the screen here, we do understand. And for the moment, for the moment, at least, because time is precious here in, in this, this format. What I hear... Sippy and, and Silly asking, and I think, um, uh, Gaith, that you have a comment here, but I'd like you to continue, Harley, but address yourself. Let's move beyond that. Not that there isn't Okay, understood. Let me be very specific. Let me be very specific. Let's take for granted that we have an oppressed people, oppressed by their own leadership, Hamas oppressing with the boot on the neck of the Palestinians in Gaza, and we have an ineffectual Palestinian PLA Palestinian um, leadership in in, uh, in 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 the West Bank, and we have these. These are the facts on the ground. We also have, as we know, that the President of the United States will be in Israel tomorrow, 
And, and what the assumption is, is that he's going to sit down with Netanyahu and other leadership, the unif unification government, and say, okay, you can count on the United States, but you must find a pathway to some humanitarian light in this. Otherwise, my hands as the president get completely tied. So well, I have an answer. I got can it. I, can I? Got I, it. Okay. Okay, can I got it. Maybe there's something to say. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah. if I may, I mean, first of all, actually, I think you have asked uh, really the core question in many ways. Um, look, I mean, first of all, I, I think, I, first of all, I think what Harley did is appropriate in the sense that it's very important that we have we be clear about uh, uh, the facts. And I think that is uh, essential. And also, I have to say, uh, before I even start answering your question, that we on the Arab side, I mean, what I'm going to say now is maybe some uh, uh, points of light, if you will. But this is not, uh, to be very clear, intended, uh, you know, to show to, to to claim that no Palestinians celebrated it. Some did. Some tried to justify it. Not only Palestinians in the Arab world. I've been doing Arab media nonstop. Not only in the Arab world. We see it a lot on our own streets in New York, in D.C., uh, in Boston, in Harvard. On the campuses. On the campuses. Uh, so it's a you know we we should not sugarcoat things yet yet. I do believe that in these moments of dark, it's important to highlight some uh, of the kind of rays of hope that we see out there. And I see quite a few. First of all, to what you said, people in Gaza do not like Hamas. I would recommend that you watch this amazing series of short interviews with people who live in Gaza under Hamas called Whispered in Gaza to tell you what it's like to live under Hamas and what people feel. B, as I look today uh, in Arab media, Yes, the majority was blaming Israel. There were very strong uh, voices that I saw, particularly in Saudi and UAE media, that were very clear against Hamas. This is terror. These are voices we need to nurture. More than that, I would look at the statements of governments like the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain that also were very clear about the Hamas uh, uh, terror. So again, as we are in the middle, and by the way, I'm not even going to tell you how many comments I get from friends and people on uh, social media when I appear on Arabic media and denounce Hamas. To tell you that it's there. So as we fight this evil, I think it's very important to show that there are voices out there. How do we amplify these voices? How do you strengthen these voices? Frankly, how do we talk with the Israeli government to make sure that their policies also can help these voices to make a strong uh, peace? So while I agree with uh, with uh, hardly 100%, Hamas has to be defeated. <laughs> Defeat is not enough. If we do not help and uh, empower an alternative, not only to govern Gaza, but to the hearts and minds of the right. Arabs. So, Gaith, can I, can I jump in at this point? Please. Because... I'm with you, and I was just on the cusp of getting to that. So if I could just complete what I started, and I'm and I'm speaking of conflict resolution. So I think we need to reach out to those Palestinians in Gaza who are fed up with, with Hamas. And I hope there are many of them. I read recently that there was a poll that showed 57% of people in Gaza support Hamas. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I did hear that. And even if it is true, um, that leaves a big number. I saw that on an Israel advocacy post where they pointed out that in the last free election in Germany, 44% of the people voted for Hitler to try to illustrate, to make the point that <laughs> that Gazans are arguably worse, pound for pound. Uh, by the way, Harley, that's that's our figures from 06. Things have changed since 06. Oh, it may be. No, I don't know if it's accurate. I just saw that. Yeah. It's good you told me, but irrespective of that, <clears throat> I do believe that there is hope here. Look, Israel, the United States 
I'm sorry, the United States did this at the end of World War II. We worked with Adenauer. You know, we worked with Germans um, who uh, were not were not Nazis. And again, you don't need to work with people who like Israel. They don't have to like Israel. They just have to be able to live alongside Israel. That's the difference. So we're not trying to impose some Israeli puppet or or somebody like that on the Palestinians. We want the Palestinians to choose their own leaders. But this does go back to Condoleezza Rice when I and others were begging her not to have elections because the only people that will organize would be Hamas. And once they have elections and they win, there'll never be another election, which is what we've seen. I don't know, Gate, is it what, 18 years ago when they had the last election? Yeah. 06, so do the math. But, yeah, that's right. Something I, like that. So I want to ask you something because there's there's a the the neighborhood, the local. Uh, point of the whole story and there's a much big picture because it's not that we are fighting against another country basically Hamas is are the 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 executors of few other nations that use them as soldiers to present their idea Iran and basically. by the way and by the way they you know they beat us on the in the neighborhood so they can focus on us put all the fire on us and then they can do their own and they can grow and more and it didn't go maybe with isis maybe it will go with the hamas they have few arms that they're using it's really, when we talk about how do we solve the problems between the Israelis and the Palestinians, this is much bigger, major problem all over. And there's a reason why the Americans are in Israel now, because it's much bigger problem that everybody is trying to lower the fire so it doesn't blow up in the face. But Yeah, but I, I need to jump in. I want to tell you why I need to jump in. You see, this is what I worry about. Uh, I'm going to use your words. The United States is in Israel to lower the fire. The, the reason why Israel got into this problem and the flaw in the Biden administration, the way they're dealing with Iran, is exactly that. They're dealing with these issues from the perspective of crisis management. You cannot, you know, manage this. You have to deal with this in the, in the eyes of and the perspective of conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? It means you have to cut off the head of the snake. At the end of the day, none of this would have happened if it weren't for Iran. And, and think about it. Is it a coincidence that Iran is, and by the way, I want to go back and say Persia, Iran, had nothing to do with the Holocaust whatsoever. Yet they're the center of the world's Holocaust deniers. Iran is the center of Holocaust denying. Now, Iran is. So think about it. Why would a country put so much energy, resources, and spotlight on denying the Holocaust? Unless they have their they they want to take away sympathy from the biggest calamity to affect the Jews in the history of the world. What then why would they want to minimize or take away sympathy from the Jews? Because they want to do their own Holocaust. Against. So what can we do in order to uh, get Iran out right, of exactly. the equation? We, so we have to take Iran out of the equation somehow. Yeah, so I will say this. So one so forward. So, what's the ultimate? Do, uh, we, do we go back into into the Middle East with with No, here's what I say. Okay. And by the way, I said because uh, I want to because I think historical context is critical. We're in this situation not only because of Condi Rice under George Bush but also because of Obama, where he started to retreat from the Middle okay, East. Okay, but, but I mean, if, if I may. Okay, so well, going go forward, yeah, going forward. But well, what, right, what do we do now? What do we do now? Do we, yeah, do we you go okay, to the history. Engaged, so I would say 
We need to be very engaged. We're our brother's keeper. We need to be engaged in Gaza and reconstruction, first off, in helping Israel eradicate Hamas. Second, helping them bring in leadership that's not terrorist, doesn't have to be friendly with Israel, but Israel can live alongside. What can we do? Three, uh, there must be... Palestinians in Gaza kick out Hamas. I mean, maybe, uh, you know. Yes, we have uh, to help them, but we may have to help them. They have to kick Hamas. What? Actually, I don't think that they can kick Hamas out, unfortunately. I mean, in the past, we have seen, uh, in the recent past, we have seen demonstrations against Hamas, and Hamas responds with great brutality. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, uh, these demonstrations uh, fizzle out. It is not easy to dislodge a regime that is so brutal uh, as Hamas is. However, I do believe that there are ways that uh, we can actually not only counter Hamas, but also counter Iran uh, in the region. In terms of Hamas, and here I have to say I agree with Harley. Now Israel is in, uh, the destruction of Hamas should be the objective. This is what the U.S. is saying. This is what Israel is saying, uh, because that will create uh, the ground. However, Hamas will continue to be popular if we don't see some degree of hope. And this is where I agree fully with Harley. If you look at what happened in Germany, with the kind of massive reconstruction coupled with re-education that happened after the war, the Marshall Plan and all of that. We need something like this. But to zoom out, look, today I think the Middle East is divided between two kinds of countries. You have countries that believe that the future, that the power, that diplomacy should be done through promoting prosperity, cooperation, etc. This is very new in the Arab world, by the way. You know, 20 years ago, I could not have said that statement. Today, you have a country like the UAE, like Saudi Arabia, for whom they don't talk ideology. They talk cooperation. They talk prosperity. They talk uh, security. On the other hand, you have countries, particularly Iran, whose very idea of power projection, whose very idea of uh, influence is through disruption. Palestine, Israel is one case. Look at Iraq. Look at Syria. Look at Yemen. Look at even Jordan that has not a single Shia in it. They're trying to disrupt. Here is where our power, our uh, policy comes in. Yes, uh, we need to be tough with Iran and tougher with Iran. Uh, yet at the same time, we need to be supportive of those countries that are sending uh, the right kind of messages. Again, to, to our issue, when a country like the UAE goes out publicly and says this is Hamas terror, we should have immediately in the US come and said, well done. This is the kind of value we expect from allies uh, in the region. We should take this kind of good friends and empower them. I look at Saudi Arabia, very problematic country in many ways, murdering journalists, etc. Yet at the same time, there are amazing changes. Why not uh, acknowledge it? Because ultimately, this is, yes, this is a military war, and we need to win the military war, both vis-a-vis -vis Hamas and Iran. But it's a war of ideas as well. And whoever's idea proves that it is more effective, more successful, it will draw more people. So one of the lessons I would like to think we learn from this is, a, we have to have a regional solution to this conflict. B, I go back to the Palestinian arena, and I have to say, part of Hamas's power is because their rivals are so bad. Corrupt, the Palestinian Authority, corrupt, etc. We need to fix the issue, go back to the issue of reform the Palestinian Authority. Most importantly, and I repeat what I said, uh, support our allies who share our values, call out those who are playing a double game. And here I would look at country like Qatar, that supports Hamas both financially and through its uh, propaganda mouthpiece, uh, Al Jazeera, and 
use every means that we need to disempower uh, Iran and never take any option off the table yeah. because so, Iran is a regime wait, wait, only wait, wait, force. Wait, wait, hold on. Gaith, would you clarify one thing and maybe Harlan, you'll add mm. to this. Both of you have said we have to cut off the head of the state of Hamas. Israel, the IDF, is poised to go in. They seem to have paused a little. Maybe it's because they want to wait until after Biden goes in there. That makes sense, etc. Assuming that they now continue and 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 northern Gaza is, is pushed to the south and they go in there, can Hamas's head, can the head of the state be cut off and Hamas is gone? Or am I hearing you, Gates, to say Hamas is so it, it, it interspersed into the Gazan society that even if the IDF and Israel is in there and 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 relentlessly and brutally does what it can to destroy it, that Hamas is still integral there. Actually, Hamas is two things in this regard. There is the Hamas, uh, the idea, and Hamas, the organization. Look, Islamist ideas have been present in the Arab world since forever. The Muslim Brotherhood was created in the 1920s, and despite many, many attempts to uh, root out the Muslim Brotherhood throughout the Arab world all these decades, they survived. Ideas survive and will always have adherence. Uh, yet, Hamas also exists as an organization that governs, that has terror infrastructure. This can be eliminated. Now, once that's eliminated, the support for Hamas becomes the question. There will always be this 15%, 20% who are hardcore supporters and those you can do nothing with. What Hamas is going for is not those. It is the undecided, the people who are asking themselves, who does better for me, Hamas or this corrupt Palestinian authority? Uh, Iran or uh, you know a failed country like Egypt? I think in some ways, creating an alternative to Hamas is exactly how we can win this uh, war of ideas. But a prerequisite to this is to destroy the operational capabilities of uh, Hamas to make sure, because today, if you're a Gaza and Hamas, you have no access to information, no access to kind of a discourse that is not Hamas discourse. Uh, Charlie, are you in agreement with what Gates did? He's saying, destroy the Hamas infrastructure, cut off the head of the state, and then it's a long-term commitment to changing these bad ideas by building better ideas, which I assume will require in some way the involvement of the other Arab countries. It can't just be Israel doing that and forcing these new ideas or the United States. We can cut the head of the snake off, but if you can't bring in, whether it's the, you know, the PA or Jordan or Saudi Arabia or other players to commit to long-term changing the mentality of, of, of Gaza and of the West Bank, at some point, that 15% becomes 30%, becomes 45%. we are back well, at the beginning. Okay, so, so here's what I would say about it. Of course, I agree with Gaith, but the sad, the sad truth is Gaith is not Secretary of State. I'm not Secretary of Defense. So we are powerless in many ways. And I, the, the real, why I say that is the real issue is, does the United States have the will you know, where we sit in our comfortable position, we come up with solutions. And I think good solutions, you know, even though it's easy for us to do it, we're not encumbered by any conflict of interest. We're just looking towards making the, the world a better place. But this is an opportunity to turn a disaster into a victory, which would be one, you know, the, the Israeli-Palestinian crisis has been intractable. Well, here's an opportunity to address it once and for all. And you have to address education. Israel turned a blind eye. If you look back on it, um, you know, to counter the PLO, Israel historically supported Hamas because they thought it would be a counterweight to the PLO. 
and let people be religious that this way they won't focus on the political issues of trying to destroy Israel. Well, that was a big mistake that that was wrong. So I say, so why I say that is you have to get involved with education because the children of, of, of Gaza, uh, you know, they're not bad people. The German children are not bad people, but when you brainwash them and you teach them math, where if you have 10 Jews and you kill eight, how many do you have left? And you have nurse and you have like Sesame street characters where the Jew is the evil bad one and you have to kill it. You create a, a culture and environment where you can have another Holocaust. I brought it up earlier because I think it is relevant. I think that's kind of what we're witnessing. We're witnessing it's it's twofold. So one is a better life, but a better life is limited. I mean, Osama bin Laden came from a billionaire family. Pol Pot came from a wealthy family. Lenin, all these people, Black Panthers in the United States came from middle-class Black families. They were not, you know, underprivileged people. You have to deal with it by giving them a better life and hope, but that's not enough. You know, um, and the hijackers of the 9-11 mostly came from middle-class families. You have to fight it ideologically. So you have and, that, to and, that's the United, and, and that's the United States, Harley. In your mind, I, I think Gates as well, I think all of us here, if the United States doesn't maintain its presence and its, it, it's, uh, it, its perceived still leading role Eventually, things fall apart and a vacuum is created. Is that correct, Absolutely. Carly? Yeah, yeah, but not only that, yeah, but you have to combat, you know, we have to, you know, democracy is not free. This is all about fighting for human rights, civil rights, fighting against hate, speaking about tolerance. This should be our battle cry throughout the world. We need it here in the United States. Um, so I think that, uh, and at the end of the day, again, why I went to Iran is, Unless you eliminate, you know, this is the head of the snake. It's going to come back in other forms. I mean, a nation that funded and supported Hezbollah, that blew up a Jewish community center in Buenos Aires, that was made up of eight-year-old boys taking a soccer class and 10-year-old girls taking a history class and grandmothers killing 86 members. These are, this is... This 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 is arguably worse than Crystal now. Okay, but here's my Actually, question. I... But here's here's my question, Gates, for you and Harley. We know the political situation in the United States now. You're based in Washington, Gates. Harley, you're in Washington all the time, talking to the top leadership. Do we have the political will? Reasonably, do we have any hope of the political will in our country? to do the kind of things that you're clearly pointing towards. Actually, you know, I mean, uh, uh, look, uh, Harley knows, and I think you, David, know, that I'm not a huge fan of the Obama Middle East policy yet. Me too. I have to say, I have to say, on this one, I, I, am, I, am, I am impressed. I am impressed with the empathy that the president has shown. I'm impressed with the resolve that the administration has shown. I am impressed with the statements from Austin to uh, Blinken to all, they rose to the occasion. And actually, I've, I mean, you know, in Washington, I see a really a paradigm change. I see a shift. You know, I don't, I don't like analogies. I don't like analogies. Yet what I feel now is similar to what I felt post 9-11, a realization that something big has happened and what will be tomorrow is not what was uh, yesterday. So I am actually quite optimistic. Yeah, But Gates, I want to jump in. If, if I may, just Harley. There will be pushback, and I think this is where it's very important that voices will again come mm -hmm. from the from us Americans who will come and basically reward the administration. So the administration, this is white. 
uh, you know, attack voices that try to politicize this and use this as a political football, which I'm starting to see both uh, within the left in the Democratic Party and on the right in the Republican. We need to also understand this is a special occasion and rise up to it. But if I may just quickly, you know, I want to take a point that uh, Harley said and maybe develop it a bit. You know, Harley said, uh, I'm not Secretary of State and uh, he's not Secretary of Defense and sadly none of us are. So really we have to ask ourselves a question, you know, once we do this analysis, what can we do? And here I would thank you both, first of all, to bring us together. You know, one thing that we have not seen is an Arabs and Jews talking about this issue in a civil manner. You know, Harley and I don't really agree on my, um, on everything, though we do agree on a lot. Yet the ability, the four of us, five of us actually here, seeing four screens, um, talking together, discussing it, disagreeing, uh, exploring, I think this is what we need to model for our public. What we meet, need to model for our children when kids at campuses can only see this issue as screaming and mutual uh, accusation, we have to show them there is something else. Yes, we are not secretaries of this or that. Yet I think within our own sphere of influence, be it families, communities, or larger ones, we have to start thinking where we went wrong, what can we do to change this? Uh, and again, go where we started, what to do the day after, because we have to live together the day after. like it. I, I agree, but I want to... The reason I wanted to jump in is I'm going to tell you what our challenge is. I, I agree. I agree with Gaith completely, but here's the challenge in this case. It's the moment right now. Everything you're noticing is because everybody's caught up in the moment of outrage. So you get the best reaction. Like you said, you, you heard them step up uh, to use your words, right? And you're hundred percent, right? The challenge we have is to make it sustainable. I'm going to give you a great example. As you know, the UN addressed many issues in September. World leaders came here. You even had the president of Iran here, as you know. So why am I saying that? Well, a year ago, Biden at the UN spoke about standing with the Iranian people as they had their biggest demonstrations against the government since the mullahs took over in 1979. One year later, what did Biden say on the year anniversary of these of the largest demonstrations in Iran against the Iranian government. What did he say a year later? Nothing. And talked about climate change. Now, what kind of signal is that to the Iranian people and to the Iranian government? So the problem that we have is we are now all fired up in the moment. And in the moment, everything looks possible. The challenge we have is not now. And as you said again, quite correctly, Gabe, our leaders stood up and 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 you know and and did the right thing and show empathy and care and they're, they're showing the right reaction today. Our biggest challenge is to make sure that we could keep a high level of momentum, maybe not as high of the moment, but it, as days pass and weeks pass, the momentum now that's let's say it's ninety eight percent will go to ninety two percent. They will go to 81%. It's only going to go down. So how do we keep the... Oh, Harley, you, you yourself have, have actually experienced in your own career, if you like analogies, when the Soviet Union was basically looked at as being an intractable enemy and nothing was going to change, you were in touch with Lech Valencia in the 80s. You were deeply involved in Eastern Europe. And suddenly in 1988, 1989, with, with Gorbachev, and, and Reagan, suddenly, almost overnight, there was a collapse of the evil empire, and things unrolled, unfurled, 
that with a complete change that we all might like. My question to you is, is there a possibility of something similar? Like you say, there's this moment, something has happened, which is going to change things. Yes, Iran is still there. Yes, Syria is still there. Yes, you have these complicated Sunni Shiite and all of that. But is there potentially, Harley, a window opening, a Gorbachev-Reagan type of moment and a collapse of the wall, which then allows this to sustain itself, as you're saying? Do you see any well, possibility? I'll add, I'll, let me answer that for you. Um, uh, the short answer is no. Uh, there is nothing likely looking of that as being possible over the horizons. And the three big nations that, that threaten us the most, China, Russia, Iran, and arguably North Korea, the extent of totalitarian control and the ruthlessness with which these rulers will keep power is to a level that I, I don't see how the population could rise up without being massacred and be effective. And I know our hope would be the best thing possible would be a internal revolution in these countries. Um, but uh, I think that's unlikely. And it, it, it's a strategy based on hope. And hope is not a strategy. Well, I think you need to be able to have, you need to have, be effective in dismantling the government. And you, there are things you could do. Well, what? you've presented a dialectic. On the one hand, we have to change the bad ideas. Yeah. On, on the one hand, we know that it's not just Gaza, and it isn't just Hamas, it's Hezbollah, it's Iran, it's these these authoritarian governments, but they Iran. Let me just tell you, Iran, Hezbollah. So, David, you're right. Hezbollah is completely. Wait, no, so my question to you and to Gaze is: Are we stuck with this for the next 25 years? No, until... no, no, we're not. Let me just tell you: One, we have to play offense. I said Israel failed in protecting their citizens because they were playing defense, and also they became arrogant. Um, what is offense? Wait, go with that. What does offense look like in this model that you're talking? What? What? Hey, great if you know the Palestinians better than all of us, right. you know well, well, both of you. What does offense look like? Instead of two carriers, we have four carriers. Do we send? Okay, so let me tell you what offense looks okay. like. I want okay? to hear from. Wait, let's it's like Nazi wait. Germany. Let me tell you. No, this no, is. No, let me. Wait, this wait, is. Let's let's have Gate say okay. something. Okay. Go ahead. I mean, <laughs> Look, I mean, I actually do believe that you go on the offense, that's for sure. And that's a multifaceted thing. But I've also learned something in my career. There are problems and dynamics that you really cannot influence. Ultimately, what's going to happen in Iran is going to happen in Iran based partly on us and partly on what's happening with the Iranians themselves. There are things, though, that you can influence. And I would say focus on what we can influence. And one of the things that we can influence in addition, in addition to going on the offensive, is, and I go back to what I'm saying, building the alternative. Let me tell you about the Palestinian people. At a moment when uh, the prospects, the hopes for uh, a peace solution in the 1990s, we saw a majority of the Palestinian public supporting a two-state solution, opposing Hamas. I remember a friend of mine who was an officer in the security forces, Palestinian security forces, a former colleague, told me in the 90s after Hamas did the suicide bombings that basically derailed the peace process, he said when he used to go to Gaza neighborhoods to arrest Hamas leaders, he would tell me that the population, you know, the neighbors would say, that's the house. This is where the guy lives. Go get him. With time, as people lose hope, it becomes easier. To... So that's one. Two, I repeat what I said. Create an alternative to Hamas in the Palestinian system. I worked for a guy in the Palestinian Authority called Salam Fayyad. He was prime minister. Um, 
I'd rather say I worked for him, not with him. Uh, uh, and he is someone who basically said, my job is not to go and uh, you know give big speeches about Israel. My job is to make sure that the garbage gets collected uh, on time and the electricity runs. And uh, when you come to get your try to the DMV, uh, you don't have to pay a bribe. Within a couple of years, maybe three, all of these things were done and the image of the Palestinian Authority bolstered. I say this because I think as much as one has to go on the offensive against the uh, bad uh, players, we have to think of creating the uh, uh, the better model. And the reason I mentioned all of these brave voices that I see coming out from the region now is that these voices exist. We don't have to invent them. We cannot invent them. We cannot parachute someone from Washington to uh, uh, Gaza. We have to find that person and give them what they need to succeed. At the end, people respond not to speeches, not to kind of uh, right. to changes in the rea reality. Allow these people to deliver to their public. I think we see something different. However, keep in mind, and here I go back and circle to uh, Harley, the more the, the good guys, the good girls succeed, the more that the bad guys will try to make them fail. And, you know, for everyone who says, oh, Hamas did this because there was no peace. Well, I remember when I was a negotiator, every time we make progress, Hamas blows up a bus or a cafe here and there. We need to be prepared for that. We need to counter that. Yet you cannot counter nothing, uh, something with nothing. And the challenge that we have is the day after, when the attention goes elsewhere, how do we focus, keep focusing on creating this alternative? Here, I am optimistic, not because I'm a dreamer, because I see it, I saw it in my own eyes in the kind of 25 years of involvement in this that I had, every time you provide something real and promising, public opinion shifts uh, very, very quickly. But you know, you say something very important, of course, uh, because if we are able to persuade both populations, right, that even if we reach and find an alternative, they will be extremists, will do everything they can to destroy it and we have to be prepared that for the next 10 years if we find an alternative there might be terrible actions by the extremists and we have yes. to keep going remember it who killed Rabin part of the narrative all the time this we yeah. do no we don't i don't think yeah, that we there is a, people... by the way i just want to tell you there is a history in the palestinian world going back to the 1940s there were a number of palestinian leaders at the time who wanted to negotiate with Israel when they made the partition. They were murdered. They were assassinated. So there's a long history, you know, they, they you know, they repeat themselves. Um, you know, the same way this surprise attack, I mean, was was um in many ways uh so predictable uh because they like to do things on anniversaries. So that Israel was unprepared is just such a shock to the system. When, you know, this is, you know, the 50th anniversary of the last big surprise. And also, it also fell on a Jewish holiday like now um, is, is just uh, extraordinary to me. But I want to add something else to what Gay says. So, yes, I think we all agree. We need to reach out to moderate Palestinian leadership and do everything we can to support it. It goes without saying. A lot easier said than done. But, yes, we need to do that. But I want to add something else to it. And this goes to the heart of fulfilling, making that successful. One, we need a long-term sustainable plan. We're all caught up in the outrage and the horror today, but what are we going to do later? Is Gaith going to be caught up with, he's under pressure to come out with the new article? Am I going to be distracted by my business? Is David, the CEO of a major healthcare company, going to get distracted? 
The problem is I, I understand how to get things done. I do. And I know what it takes. Now we're at our best. We're all horrified, frightened, determined. We need, as I said, I can't emphasize this in stronger terms because the biggest enemy is not Hamas. It's ourselves. Are we willing to continue on this in a sustainable way that's going to be effective? It comes down to willpower. We did the Marshall Plan, as David mentioned, in World War II. We have to be able to implement this. This was national policy, and it was imposed. So one, we need the will, which is critical, and it means constantly staying with us. The second thing we need that I will add to what Gates said is we need to expose Hamas more. And I'm going to tell you what I say. I've been on BBC, CNN, all these networks, and I'll tell you what needs to be said. You need to expose the, Palestinian, the Hamas in a way that's going to have the best impact on liberal, liberal progressives who have a great deal of sympathy with the Palestinians. Why? Uh, I have a lot of sympathy with the Palestinians, but they, the, 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 this, this refugee group is the most privileged in the history of the world. They have UN agencies uh, that UNRWA that is devoted just to them, fourth generation refugees. There is a whole, there are institutions and practices there are people's biases that are extraordinarily behind the Palestinian people. And too many people are going to associate Hamas with the Palestinian people. So you have to expose the Palestinian Hamas in a way that's going to be effective with all these people who demonstrate against Israel and for Palestinian causes. And what does that mean? One, what I say, why are there no air raid shelters and tunnels in Gaza for the civilians? Why? because Hamas doesn't care about their own people. Where does money come from when it goes into Gaza? Most of it goes to lining the pockets of their leaders. They're, they're, they're billionaires like Arafat was, and Mohammed Abbas is even richer than, than Arafat was. I think what liberal progressives really dislike is corruption. And if we have to expose, the only way you're going to turn public opinion against Hamas because even though people may be horrified by what Hamas did, I want to tell you, most of these people feel, they don't feel the way you feel, the way gay feels and you all feel in this call. They feel, well, the Israelis have ignored the Palestinians. This is what they get. They're, the Palestinians are frustrated. They were, they were sidelined in the Abraham Accords. They're being ignored again. They've suffered under Israeli apartheid racism. People rationalize this conflict. And they blend the name Hamas with Palestinian cause more than you realize. So you need to separate the notion of Hamas leadership from the cause of the Palestinian people and expose them that they're exploiting their own people. They are deliberately doing this to Jews in Israel, expecting Israel to punish the, 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 the Palestinians in Gaza because Israel will go after Hamas, but Hamas uses, as we know, the Palestinian people to fire rockets from their homes and living rooms. And you have to expose that when those yes, Palestinian no civilians mm -hmm. are then hurt and killed. So a Harleen Gates and, and Wait, hold on. I want to complete my thought. I want to just complete okay. my sentence, please. You have to expose that it's Hamas that is, that is responsible for that. If you don't do that, you're not going to get anywhere right. near the support you right. need to do what Gates is recommending which is to build support for a moderate group. You have to completely discredit Hamas for legitimate reasons. And that has to be an essential part of the strategy.
Right. So I would summarize what you just said, Harley, with two ends. And I think, Gaith, you're saying this. I certainly am. And I believe all of us, all five of us are saying this, which is, well, six of us. Well, Hold on one second. I had, by the way, I didn't know this would last this long. Um, so the, the two the two M's are muscle and messaging. That's what I'm hearing here. I'm hearing you say, Harley, to cut off the head of the snake. And I hear no disagreement really anywhere. Israel, with its allies, with the United States, has the muscle no question about it, to do anything it wants to do. It could go into northern Gaza. It could decimate the buildings. Hundreds, thousands or more could die. Hamas cannot stand to that. Israel, will, will, there will be damage inflicted on Israelis or our allies or boots on the ground of America. Whatever happens, the muscle is there. But what I'm hearing you all say, and I agree completely, if parallel with the muscle, we don't change the message, we don't do exactly what you said, Harley, which is to make sure the bad ideas are replaced by better and best ideas. Eventually, it will go back to the same situation and it'll be worse because the weapons will be stronger and the entrenched ideologies will be more intransigent. And it's the messaging, not just for Gaza versus Hamas, it's the messaging for the wider region. I think at the end of the day, in the moment, we must support Israel in every way we, we can and the rest of the allies and the countries in the world that believe in democracy and freedom and individual liberty and dignity with the muscle to make sure that that's not crushed. And then and, separate Israel from the extremists. And separate Hamas from the, from the Palestinians and from all of those that would continue to perpetuate this type of nihilist hey, approach to, to hey, life. If I may say something. And, and, I will, and I will apologize. I'll have to be, this will be my last one. But uh, I, and I fully agree with what was said. However, it is very important as well to recognize that as long as, you know, uh, we do not address both the legitimate grievances of the Palestinians then uh, there will always be uh, a market for extremism. And if we don't recognize as well Israel's uh, own mistakes, uh, we also would go through an extremist. So, I mean, and, I, and to be clear, this case, you know, these days, you know, the attack last uh, on, on October, October 7th, that was a very clear case. There was just no, you know, uh, there was no ambiguity. That was a terror attack and that's the end of the story. However, uh, if we don't... Uh, if, all of us engage in self-reflection to recognize where we went wrong, where people we affiliate with went wrong, I fear we have to repeat it. So as we think of where we move forward, I think it's very important for both sides not to tell the other side where they went wrong. That's very easy. Yeah. Uh, the messaging is not just in Gaza, it's also in Capitol so Square, exactly as you're saying. And, and, I, and I really thank Israel. you, and I really apologize. Uh, this was a real... Uh, can I just say one thing to Gaith, if I may, because I, I know Gaith has to run, but I, I need to say this. And I love Gaith and has huge respect for him. He shows enormous courage. He has great insight on the issue. And uh, we, we are mostly aligned, but even where we disagree, his points are very reasonable and very valid. And, you know, there's no right or wrong. I mean, it's just a different way of looking at it. But that said, I want to say something and see how he responds to this. Because this, to me, is the, th there is a difference, and I hope I'm wrong, between Israelis and Palestinians. So, and, the, and the Palestinian supporters, I'm going to tell you why. Let's reverse it. Let's say Israel went into Gaza and massacred women and children and did all these atrocities that we know about. <clears throat> Do you think days later anybody in the pro-Israeli community 
would be demonstrating with Israeli flags, we, at me, as a representative of the pro-Israeli community, we would be ashamed that Israel did such a thing. Nobody would be massing in streets well, all over the world showing that. support. I, well, I, I want to I, tell the difference. We understand, but those ideas have to be changed. We know that. Honestly, honestly Harley, I, I'm just saying, and I give because I know that has to be, but I do want to show there isn't the moral equivalent. And I'm going to say a last quick comment on it. In 1982, when 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 the um, when when Palestinians were massacred in Sabra and Shatila, not by Israel, but by Christian uh, phalangist um, militiamen in Lebanon, but it, but the Israelis could have stopped it, and the Israelis had control of the area. There were four hundred thousand Israelis who went to the streets of Israel to protest against the Israeli government for not stopping this massacre. Now, in 1982, it's 40 years ago. Israel is much smaller, and if you eliminate children under 10 and people that are elderly and people working at their jobs, the 400,000 people represent the essence of Israeli society. This is a difference. But Harley, you're right. There is no moral There's no moral equivalent, but we can't take on moral superiority either, Harley. That doesn't work. Well, there is no moral Let me have Gates respond. Let me see what Gates says. First of all, I was very clear in saying that this was a morally clear moment that can only deserve a condemnation, to be this very clear. However, you know, I could go in a debate now and tell you, you know, instances where Israelis turned a blind eye to some unconscionable action by uh, other Israelis, etc. But what's the point? Yeah. Really, what's the point? I mean, to my mind, the point today is we have a problem. Humanity. We have people of goodwill who want to deal with it. Let us focus on this. Let's focus on commonality, each right. for our own reasons. You know, we, exactly. we come at it from different, but I do believe that right now, how do we have this coalition of those who want to make uh, things better? Uh, doesn't mean ignore all the bad behavior, but not debate, but actually found solution. This is this is today what we do. This is what well, we have to do. We have few snakes that we have to get rid of their heads, but also change their skin, so. <laughs> Nice. Thank you, Chili. Thank you, Zippy. We thank you, guys. guys. And thank you, everyone. Thank you, Gabe. Yeah, thank you so and for, much. for everybody listening and watching to us, please contribute to the humanistic solution to this terrible, terrible situation. Yeah. We all have to do this together. Yep. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. Thank you. To be continued.